The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream, where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Kelly Sullivan Walden, here on Unity Online Radio. The number to call in to talk about your dreams or to talk about the amazing guest that we have or talk with him, actually, the number to call is 816-251-3555. So if we had the sound effects for the Twilight Zone, I'd want them to be played right now. The doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Because that's how I feel today. That's how I feel when I am getting into the realm of talking to my favorite dream ambassador, dream journeyer, Robert Moss. Um, I was thinking this morning about the notion how so many of us say, God, I, there's just not enough time. There's not enough of me to go around. I wish I could clone myself like in that Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity, except we don't want the copy of a copy of a copy. But I was reading Robert Moss's newest book. It's called Mysterious Realities, A Dream Traveler's Tales from the Imaginal Realm. And he talks about the fact that there are other versions of ourselves. We don't need a cloning machine. We already have multiple versions of ourselves. And that's just the beginning. Robert is, he knows the realm in between worlds. And let me just tell you, if you don't know who Robert Moss is, let me tell you a little bit about this man and this walk we're going to take on the wild side of dreaming. So Robert Moss is one of the most phenomenal beings I know. He's written so many books. He is, um, oh my gosh, he's written the books that are my very favorite on dreams. So he is, uh, this is what Gene Houston said about him in his new book. Robert Moss is a mything link, mything link. I'm not lisping when I say that. He's a mything link. (laughs) And his new book, Mysterious Realities, is one of the most luminous revelations of those who travel between the worlds. Using words as wands, this man, this Magnus of the imaginal realm, companions the reader on visionary journeys, soul-capturing dreams, and encounters with once and future archetypes. This is not an innocent book. This is not a beginner's book. This is a book not for those who are faint at heart. The the very, very reading is an initiation, a sea change into something rich and strange. It's a message from a future human, a representative from a parallel world, one who has solved present challenges by entering realms that few as yet dare to enter. When you read this numinous book, you will be invited to enter and I hope that you will. And I feel like I'm there already. And I've got so many things that I want to say about Robert, so many things I want to ask him about, including an incredible synchronicity that I just had about his book, but I don't want to waste any more time. I want to just roll out the dream red carpet all the way to the East Coast. Robert Moss, welcome to Ask Dr. Dream. Always a pleasure to be dreaming with you, Kelly. (laughs) I love you, Robert Moss. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you today. So, the the introduction to your book is so magnificent. I mean, the introduction and then the first story. Can we, um, in your words, maybe you can tell us a little bit, so I'm not having to read it. And people don't want to hear from me anymore. They want to hear from you. The the before tale 
about how you come to this book. And then I want to get into the crows, but let's just let's just tiptoe people in a little bit and then we'll go on fast forward. All right. Well, the, the full tale is the story of synchronicity. I live by synchronicity. Everybody listening knows in their shivers what the word means. Synchronicity is when the universe gets personal. You know that there's a deeper force in play. You feel a hidden hand. Time works differently. It's a special moment. So the way this book came to publication is as follows. I was teaching in Berkeley, California. I'm walking with my coordinator to have dinner through the streets of Berkeley. And I'm talking about three things. I'm talking about Pegasus, the flying horse. And I'm talking specifically about how Pegasus opens the springs of creative inspiration under his stamping hooves. By the way, this is the way I talk all the time. There's nothing unusual about this. <laughs> the second thing I'm talking it's true, about it's is true. that I have a bunch of stories which are really just so travelers' tales from my adventures in dream realities and in synchronicity, adventures between the worlds, they're almost complete. I'm using the phrase, I have these almost complete stories that may want to be published. And I'm talking about a third thing, because I talk a lot and I cover a few topics. The third thing I'm talking about is the idea that in any moment, we are living more than one life. We have parallel lives. I say, I must be living twice and you must be living twice too. So this is my conversation on the street on the way to dinner, uh, Kelly. And I look mm -hmm. across the street, and on the front of a bookstore is a winged horse. It's Pegasus. The bookstore is Pegasus Books. <laughs> so I say to my friend, bye, I've got to go in there. Excuse me. And I run across the street. And in Berkeley, motorists are unusually kind to, to pedestrians. They don't run me down. So now I'm in Thank the doorway of the bookshop. And I'm looking at a shelf at eye level in Pegasus Books. And on the shelf, I see my surname, Moss, and I see the title, Almost Complete Poem, which is close to my phrase, Almost Complete Stories. Very interesting. And next to that title is the title, I Must Be Living Twice, which is my third theme. So suddenly I have my three themes for my conversation mirrored back to me by the world in an instant. Pegasus, almost complete and parallel lives. Uh, so the next day I'm having lunch with my favorite editor, Georgia Hughes at New World Library, who's published my books for a while now. And I sit down with her for lunch in an Italian restaurant. We order wine before the wine comes. She says, Robert, I'd love to publish a book of your traveler's stories. You're just those stories of what it's like to live in many worlds. I say, funny thing, Georgia, I had this experience yesterday evening, Pegasus, etc." So before the wine has come, we've made the arrangement. The book is on its way to publication. So that is how <laughs> Serious Realities comes to publication. And you know, Kelly, when people say to me, you're a mystic or you're a shaman or this or that, I say, well, but I'm a very practical mystic. This stuff works. Synchronicity works. Being in touch with more worlds than ordinary reality works. It gives you clues to keep soul and body together on the roads of this world, as well as to travel with passion and beauty on the roads of other worlds. Oh, this is this is something that is so important. I want people to hear this because this, to me, it feels like it's part of my mission to, and I know it's yours too in some way to, to inspire people to to pay attention to dreams, not just for the intellectual fodder, but, but for the practical value and, and and how it can lead you to your next step in your business and your relationship and very practical matters ultimately, and even keeping alive, even keeping your body intact, which is where you go in your first story in the book about the crows. <laughs> um, should I tell you my synchronicity first or should we? Oh, please do. All right. So this, well, I didn't know it was a synchronicity at the time. This is just part one. I'm having, you know, my sister, I've, I've probably shared with you several times that my sister is my, she's my mythical link. She's the, my mythical traveling partner. She and I have been, dreaming together in tandem ways since we were little girls. And Shannon really doesn't live in this world. She um, She's truly magical and she has a hard time here, but she is she's a guide to the other worlds. Every time I talk to her, other, other things open up. Anyway, we're on the phone as she's driving her daughter to school. So it's a normal day. Everything's very ordinary. She's driving her daughter to school, my niece, Noelle. And she says, oh, look, Noelle, hey, there's a murder. <laughs> like, what? Why would you say that 
on your in the middle of the day, hey, there's a murder, like it's no big deal. She says, oh, it's a bunch of crows. Noelle, a bunch of crows together is oh. called a murder. <laughs> she says it like that. I thought, and I just had to crack up because it's just so my sister to say something so matter of fact that's so that would be so bizarre to people in such an offhanded way. Mm. So that happened yesterday. And then last night I'm reading your book about the crows and mm. it becomes a very important piece of the the murder. So if somebody's listening right now and you're just tuning in, the show isn't necessarily about murder and mayhem. <laughs> it's actually about staying alive and keeping your vitality intact. But Robert, with that, why don't you tell them the story about your incident at the airport and how it leads to crows? All right. This is this comes from the longer story in the book, a storytelling of crows. So we'll pick up with the death's head dominatrix on the plane. Is that all right with you? I would love that. I've come from one of my writing workshops where to goose myself up, I started writing stories within a frame story. In other words, the story around the stories. And the, the frame story is that a writer's done a deal with death, and the deal is he must produce an entertaining story every day. He started writing a story about a Roman centurion who's going to investigate the, the death of Jesus Christ, whose girlfriend is a Phoenician witch who's very good at dreams. That's, that's the preamble. So <laughs> I've come from this writing <laughs> Just that, that's I've all. Got some done. I've got some, some writing done. I'm on the plane on the way home, and I'm wondering what's going to happen next. And teetering along the aisle is this immensely tall woman with very high-heeled black boots and a top hat, dressed in leather with a, over a bustier, and she sits next to me, of course, and there's a little man she squeezes into the window seat who's with her. And I'm sort of looking at her, wondering who this is, and the conversation doesn't really start till she says, looking around the cabin, mm, I like this flight. And I look at her, she says, yeah, it's entirely booked. All the seats are taken. Actuarially, she, you know, she says, if the plane's going to crash, there'll be 20% seats vacant. This is how the conversation begins. <laughs> anyway, to move it along fairly fast, it's a staccato conversation after she reveals that she's a dominatrix. That's her business. It's not my scene, but it's interesting. So the conversation is stopping and starting. At a certain point, she turns to me, knowing nothing about me, Kelly, and she says, do you think the dead talk to us in our dreams? And I don't beat around the bush. I say, absolutely. She says, oh, good. <laughs> she says, my ex, who was shot in a diner in Seattle last year, was in the papers, turned up in my dreams last week, standing beside my bed, and he said, I have a great job doing music and special effects for dreams that are being produced for people. And he was a musician. What do you think of that? So I say, that's a really interesting story. <laughs> it goes on. Anyway, it reaches this point. She says, I love crows and ravens. I say, of course you do. She says, do you know what the collective noun for a group of crows or ravens is? I say, oh, proud of myself. Oh, yeah, it's like your, like your sister. It's a murder of crows, and it's an unkindness of ravens. She sniffs and said, everybody knows that, which is a disappointing response. Right. And she says, there's another collective noun which applies both to crows and ravens, and you're going to tell me what it is. I say, yep, it's a storytelling, a storytelling of crows, a storytelling of ravens. Do you know why, she says? I bet you're going to tell me, I say. She says, well, I saw this once. There was a gathering of crows, a storytelling of crows. And one of the crows is obviously telling a story to the others. And they don't think he's very good because when he's done, they peck him to death. What do you think of that? Now, remember the game I was playing in my own writing. I was writing about an author who has a deal with death that when he stops telling entertaining stories, he will be dead. And she's telling me this story as if she knows what I was doing the previous few days. And then she says, you know, I'd love to read a story from the point of view of Jezebel. And I'm scratching my biblical memory to think about who Jezebel was. And then she says, those Phoenician witches were so good at dreams. It's as if her dead ex is right there whispering in her ears, telling her more about what I was doing in my writing retreat. So that's a taste of what's in the book. It's a taste also of what it means to live consciously in engagement with multiple realities. And you know what? It's practical in the sense that you'll get some good ideas, but it's also very practical in the sense that you'll get stories for life which put a fizz of magic, fizz of champagne magic into every day. 
Mm, it is very fizzy. And to me, that's there's there's another layer. There's always more layers, but the whole notion that you kind of wrap that that story up with is the telling the story to keep alive and making it interesting. And in some way, I think whether a person is a writer or not, we're we're all telling a story about our lives. We all have some narrative about our lives. And and I think it's it is kind of up to us to keep it interesting, to stay alive. And just yesterday I was um doing a Facebook live video um show with my friend Nancy and we were talking about people dreaming of zombies and and vampires and and I was saying that that I think the zombie message if it um if it were my dream a a dream of a zombie is about you're not you're not fully awake in your life something's eating your brain you're you're sleepwalking and you got to get it together or or else the soul will leave so i don't know i'm i'm really feeling that there's the level of keep it interesting people cuz this isn't a freebie and it's not just the story that robert's writing i think it's also very true about for all of us and the next thing that I'm working on, the next book I write, to keep it, to stay on the pulse of what's interesting and not to be in fear about it, but to but to keep it alive so that we stay alive. Don't you think there's, well, there's so many so implications many of this? Things. We're all living by stories. If you don't know you're living with and by a story, then you're probably living in a story that is too small for you. Some old set of outmoded expectations that bind you, expectations and stories laid on you by a family history or by trying to fit in with other people or live up to some ideal that isn't your own. So what I what I do, Shelley, oh, Kelly, I don't know I'm calling you Shelley all the time. That's okay. Shelley. I'm coming out of my I shell. I know your name it's perfectly okay. well. When I keep screwing up names, I'm thinking, who else is around? Anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, when I'm on planes and strangers ask me what I do, I say what I would say to anybody else. I say, I'm a storyteller. And part of my pleasure in life is to help other people find their best stories, their biggest and bravest stories, and live those stories, and also tell them so well that they want to take root in the world. I mean, this is fundamental. In, I think we're all living a myth, even if we don't know what it is. It might be the wrong myth. It might be an old myth. The myth I'm living now, actually, is that of Scheherazade from the Arabian Nights. She's got to come up with a new story every night or else she's dead. I'm conscious of living that story, and I'm happy with it. It gives me a sense of edginess, a sense of the need, as you say, to keep it exciting, keep it interesting, find something new, make it up, let it make you up, let it, let it give you energy and pulse for life. So part of my pleasure in going around this world is being available to the stories that other people are carrying and helping them to bring them through, and, of course, in the process, bringing through new stories for my books and presentations. This is my joy. Being with you, I feel like it and just being in your field, listening to you, touching your book, reading your book, having your books nearby, I feel like it amplifies it amplifies synchronicity. Um I just met someone yesterday, yesterday, day before, named Cher, and I said, Oh, is that short for something? And guess what it was short for, Robert? Shaharazad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Well there we go. Bang. And I didn't get it because my mind went to share, you know, the singer. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> Nancy tells her who's probably going to be listening well, at some point soon. She just, just she does a really share impersonation. So there's that. But yeah. Scheherazade, no, I, I just met someone whose name is Scheherazade. So this just to me, for for people who are just like, I don't know, they think I'm on drugs. This is I'm not on drugs. I'm on Robert Moss. And the synchronicities just start flying. But the message, I always feel like a synchronicity. Tell me what you think, Robert. My perspective is well, when synchronicity happens, I just it makes it helps me to pay attention and I feel mm. like I'm in the right place at the right time. And then more deeply, I feel like, OK, and there's a message in there to 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 lock onto. And the message right now is about tell an interesting story if you want to stay alive. What about you? What else do you think about synchronicity and why is it? valuable. Well, I think we're magnetic. I think we are. I mean, this is the infamous because it's been oversimplified by the new age, the infamous law of attraction. It's always been true. Law of correspondence, Mm -hmm. the law of synchronicity. Let me give you a quick story, not in mysterious realities about how this works in practice Mm -hmm. in life, being a magnet of a certain kind. I'm a story magnet. People bring me stories. I find stories and I get stories. So one day, not long ago, I say as I arrive at Oakland Airport, I don't need a new story today. Why would I say that? Because often 
in my airplane travels, which are constant, I teach all over the world, as you know. I teach in <laughs> Transylvania. Interesting stories there. I teach all over uh-huh. the world. I say as I arrive at the airport, I don't need a new story today because sometimes the best stories come alive when something goes wrong. I just want a smooth trip home. I've been working hard. <laughs> I don't need a story. So I go into the airport. I go to the bar. I'm Australian. I'll have a beer when I feel like it. There's a ruddy, friendly-looking fellow sitting next to me on the bar stool, and we order our beer. He looks at me, and he says, you look like a fellow who'd enjoy a good story. So I look at him. He said, well, you're right. <laughs> he says, I've got a story for you. He introduces himself. He's a retired detective from the East Bay area. That's where he's yeah. from. He says, last week, I'm walking in a cemetery in Portland where I've never been before. I've only just moved to Oregon. I'm thinking about a girl I loved 30 years ago, he says. Could never have her. I'm thinking about her. I stop at the headstone in front of me. has her name, the full name, and her death date, the death date of the person in the grave, and it's last summer. He says, I can't believe it's about her, but I make the calls, and I find out the woman I was thinking about died and was buried in the cemetery I never knew about, and there I am at her gravesite wow. as if I'd been called there. What do you think of that? I say it's a good story. So <laughs> that is an interesting story in itself. We could go on and on about that. But it's an example about magnetism. And the message for everybody, whatever your story is, whether you have one or not, is whatever energy and interest you carry, particularly if it's strong and passionate, the universe is going to say yes. Whatever you think or feel, the universe is going to say yes to you So as practical advice for life in this dream of everyday life, check your attitude because you know what? Your attitude, up or down, dark or or joyous, it's going to walk ahead of you in life and it's going to shape the events and encounters that will be waiting for you round the next corner. So pay attention not just to what you are saying out loud and doing, but to what you're thinking and feeling because the universe is going to say yes. Mm. Ah. So the voice that you're hearing besides mine, this is Robert Moss, and his website is mossdreams.com. We're going to be going to a break in just a few moments, but we're going to, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about Mysterious Realities, his latest book, A Dream Traveler's Tales from the Imaginal Realm. And um, just so you know a little bit about him, he also wrote The Secret History of Dreaming, Dreaming the Soul Back Home. The Boy Who Died and Came Back, Sidewalk, Art, Oracles, Conscious, Dreaming, and so many other books. So Robert Moss, he's my guest, and we are talking, we're in the twilight zone, we're in the synchronicity zone, and oh my goodness, it's getting real. So we'll see you on the other side of this quick break in just a few moments. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light, getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. 
Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer or call 816-969-2000. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Get inspired with Temple Hayes and the Intentional Spirit, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Each week, Temple shares tools and practices to help you thrive in the most challenging times. Temple also welcomes fascinating guests who share their stories and struggles on the spiritual path. Follow Temple on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with the show. Become an Intentional Spirit with Temple Hayes here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and I am having such a blast. I am a little kid in a candy candy store in a sandbox all at the same time. If you have any questions that you would like to ask, wouldn't it be nice if I just knew that number by heart? One of these names, I'll know the number by heart. Um, It is 816-251-3555. If you'd like to get a word in edgewise here because I'm just I'm I'm just kind of happy to have Robert all to myself. But if you've got a a question about your dreams, about how to end a dream drought, about how, what your synchronicities might mean or how to if you're not having any and you're and you're feeling a little jealous, getting some synchronicity envy, then call in and ask Robert about how you can how you can amplify that. Again, the number to call here on Unity Online Radio is 816-251-3555. And again, Robert Moss's website is robertmoss.com. Okay, so we are back with Robert Moss and I am just loving his brand new book Mysterious Realities. Let's just, without skipping a beat, let's jump into what does it mean? This is one of the questions I get asked all the time, but I want to hear your perspective, and I know you have a story to go with it, about what does it mean when you keep having the same dream, when the same dream keeps on All right, let me tell you a very funny story from this, which is in the book, based on a breakfast table conversation I had during one of my trainings for teachers of active dreaming. I do trainings for teachers of what I call active dreaming. There's a very educated, very civilized doctor, medical doctor from Britain, in the group, a woman, and she's using very bad language at the breakfast table. F this and S that. We're angry for that <laughs> on your show because she's having the same effing dream, right? She has to do her medical exams all over again, and she did them 30 years ago. She says, oh, Robert, why am I having the same effing dream? And I look at her and I say, look, let's put ourselves in the position of the dream production studio that might be making dreams for us of a certain kind. There are different kinds of dreams that sometimes you have to feel. But there are some producers and directors and script writers who are staging a dream production just for you. I say, look, I put myself in the minds of your dream movie production team behind the veil of the world. And they are so bored with having to produce the same effing dream for you because you're not getting the message. (laughs) It's reached the point where the cast are threatening to walk off the set. The production crew is threatening to strike. And the big producers up there and the gods, which is what you call the top rows in a theater, the gods are getting worried about you. 
so-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, because they have to keep making the same dream to you because you won't get the message. She started laughing. She cracked up. She said, my goodness, that really explains it better than I could ever think about it. Now she's thinking about the message that she's been failing to receive and to act upon, which is she needs to get her credentials together, her skill set together, her training together for a new phase in her life. And once she gets that message, she stops having the same boring effing dream because her dream producers can now move on and do something else. So to extrapolate from that a very practical nostrum for anybody concerned about recurring dreams, if you're having the same dream, it might well be because you are failing to get the message or you might have got the message, but you're failing to take action. But I told that in a really hilarious and slightly off-color story in the book in the way that I described I love it. I love the F-bombs, even though you say it in a very gentlemanly way. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> I can do I, I've often thought of recurring dreams as an overzealous, on too much Red Bull um, UPS delivery guy that's like really wants you to get it. So I'm personifying dreams in a different oh, way. But I love the Hollywood version of it, that there's the production yeah, like, oh, we've got to do this cool. again, people. You, All right, back to one. Everybody back story. to your places. Yeah, <laughs> that's fabulous. They're bored to tears. Okay, so I love um, what you say. I sometimes I'll say dream. I'll say dreamus interruptus. You call it, you say dream interruptus. What is yeah. that about? What's that? <laughs> well, that's actually a story from my life. All the books in mysterious realities, there's some that might read like fiction or fantasy, adjust those stories in the sense that they're real experiences. They're real experiences from my life and from the lives of people who have shared with me are things that go on in the dream world and in this world, in those fabulous and interesting and sometimes terrifying moments, the synchronicity when you feel the worlds drawing closer together. That's what synchronicity is about. The worlds come closer together. It's a special moment. Things mm. are working differently. You feel the hidden hand. You feel the God, the spirit, the ancestor, another force at work. So all the stories come from experiences like that. So Dream Interruptus is uh, really a composite of dreams from my life. I'm having a really beautiful, sexy, erotic, romantic dream in a parallel world in which I'm still with a woman I used to be with, but have not been with for a long time, and that's going well. But then I'm called to leave the dream because something else is calling me. And what is calling me is the need to be present to a child in hospital who needs protection. She's going under general anesthesia, and hospitals are dangerous places because you've got all sorts of strange things limping and hovering around, including the thought forms and even the spirits of people who might have died there in conditions of pain and confusion and have not moved on. So I am called out of my sexy, romantic, parallel life experience into playing the role of a guide and protector. And in that role, I call on the bear, who is one of my allies in non-ordinary reality in shamanic terms, to help a child who needs protection while she is under general anesthesia and her body is vulnerable to strange things that go on in hospitals. So it's a just-so story. And when I use that phrase, people may not be familiar with it. I mean, it's simply things that happen that happen in different orders of reality. They're just so in a sense that this is what happens. There's no fiction. There's no hyping. It's what happens. I'm having a sexy romantic dream on a parallel life when I'm with someone I'm no longer with in this life, and I'm called out of it to my initial disappointment because something more urgent and more important is calling to me, and that is the need to be protector and guide and advisor to someone who's under possibly perilous circumstances under general anesthesia in the hospital. That's what that story is about. Oh, I love that. Thank you for clarifying the just so. You know, I... So I know during the break, you and I were talking and you said something about we were talking about zombies and we were talking about vampires and people being having these kind of dreams. Last week on my show, I, we talked about energy vampires. So and I and it really stirred the pot. A lot of people, um, they they because it wasn't just about dealing with the energy vampires in your life. It's about checking yourself to make sure that you're not being one of them yourself. And you said something about what's going on in our government. We're not talking about the government on this show necessarily. However, for people who are feeling really distressed about the events of the world, I, I always think, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, that when we are in touch with our own synchronicities and our own dreams and this, this, these other parallel wor worlds that connect us, we we are we have something else we can be doing that can actually be affecting some kind of change as opposed to trying to fight fire with fire 
in the ordinary way. So can this can dream work and paying attention to these synchronicities from your perspective be be an effective solution for people that are feeling really powerless right now? Absolutely. Dream work is our way through. I was teaching at Esalen, which you know about, uh, on the night of the mm-hmm. presidential elections. And because it's basically off grid, I'm one of the few people who knew what was going on. I was up most of the night sitting on a terrace over the Pacific Ocean in my leader's studio, very beautiful. And I go into the room the next morning. Most people haven't heard. I announce that many of them turn white. Some run out of the room to throw up, literally. And I say, look, get it together. Get your hot tub brains together. We have to do this work. We have to do it with a discipline and a passion that we haven't done before because dream work as we do it supports soul and it supports survival. Keeping people in touch with their dreams, helping them to bring their dreams back, maintains the voice of conscience which we need. If you're not in touch with your dreams, if you're subject to the delusions of the day, you may lose the truest source of conscience, you may lose your inner compass, and you may even lose your soul. There's a terrifying story in my book, Mysterious Realities, called Dream Takers, about what happens when a whole society starts to lose its dreams. People lose their dream souls, literally part of their vital soul. It's gone. They no longer understand fundamental purpose. They lose touch with what it means to be human, to be decent, to be have a purpose, to have a conscious, to have a compass, and it begins to show how to bring it back. So I know in dark and scary times, and my goodness, we are there big time. We need this more than ever. This isn't some discretionary, you know, over the weekend, new age, lefty activity. This is vital to our soul and survival. And all the dreams and fantasies of zombies that inhabit our public media and our TV programs and so on, I think these reflect the fact that increasingly we are seeing a world of hollow men, including men at the top places in government who have basically lost a vital part of their soul and therefore have no idea anymore of what it means to be human in the fullest sense and hear the voice of conscience. Our antidote, in addition to all the other things that need to be done, is to keep ourselves together, coming together in groups, to share our dreams and support our dreams of life and our dreams of the night. And that, I believe, will fundamentally get us through. Mm. You said, you know, the, your book, Dreaming the Soul Back Home, I think it's next to this book, it's it's at the top of the list of my favorite Robert Moss books. And the notion and I and I refer to this all the time and about the there's um, a very haunting phrase in Dreaming the Soul Back Home from one of your I believe a participant in one of your groups that said the soul is always leaving. And and I know there's something about if we if we don't create an environment for ourselves that is appealing to our soul, then we do run the risk of it going away. But I was always under the impression that we can always get it back. But when you just said we lose it like it's gone, can you clarify that? Well, soul is lost in many ways. And the idea of soul loss is actually the ancient shaman's principal contribution to our understanding of our existential complaints in modern life. We suffer pain, we suffer trauma, we suffer grief, we go through wrenching transitions and life choices. Part of us goes away, it doesn't want to be around. And, you know, sometimes it will come back if we change our lives and make ourselves attractive and wholesome and safe, and sometimes we need some help. I mean, in shamanic soul retrieval practice, the practitioner will go and find part of your soul and try and put it back in your body. And that might work okay if you've got a good practitioner. What I teach people to do is to become their own shaman, become the shaman of their own soul and the healer of their own life by, first of all, bringing their dreams back. Now, the number one symptom of serious soul loss is you don't have a connection with your dreams. Your dreams have gone. They've gone. So breaking the dream drought is the first essential step in facilitating healing through soul recovery in our own lives. So how do you bring your dreams back? Well, you offer some, some, some solutions, and I offer some solutions too. Let me mention a couple of the less obvious ones. I say to people, stop telling yourself you have nothing. Stop telling yourself you don't remember anything. You might have a wisp. You might have a sense of color. You might have a bit of a song. You might have the tiniest little breadcrumb. Be kind to your fragments. Because often, people who say they've got nothing have a little something. If you bring back a little something from the night, it might actually start a trail of breadcrumbs that will bring you back into the dreaming. And I say to people, remember, you don't have to go to sleep in order to dream. Actually, dreaming for me is not fundamentally about what happens in sleep. It's fundamentally about waking up to a deeper order of reality and playing 
braver game. So synchronicity, paying attention to symbols and signs and pop-ups around you on the roads of ordinary life and treating the daytime as a field of dream symbols, that might be a way of dreaming again. And if you're paying enough attention to that kind of thing, you might find that the dream spigots, the dream taps come on. I also lead people because I lead people on all sorts of journeys with shamanic drumming. I take play people to places where their dreams can be found. I take them to a cinema of lost and found dreams, for example. You're going to sit down in the cinema. Something's going to play on the screen. It's going to be one of the dreams that you lost, one of the dreams that you need, and you'll come back from the journey, a wide awake journey fueled and deepened by shamanic drumming with something you didn't have before, and that might change things. And yet another thing I say to people is, okay, you've got no dreams. Think back, if you can, to the last dream you remember, maybe from when you're five years old, maybe from when you're nine years old, maybe it was scary. Maybe you're so scared that you asked for no more dreams. See if you can bring that alive. See if you can open a time tunnel to connect to that magical child you used to be and go back into her life. And if she's having a dream problem, help her with it. If she's having a life problem, help her with it. And if you can connect with that younger self and open that time tunnel, maybe she'll come back to you. And maybe you'll find that as your beautiful, bright child dreamer comes back, your dreams come back with her because you lost your dreams because you lost the beautiful, bright dreamer of yourself. So those are some of the things that I say. And there's just one final thing. Cut me off if I'm going on too long. But no, the final thing is this. we need a social great. reward system for dreaming. I've invented a process, you're familiar with it, called the lightning dream work by which we can share mm. dreams and get some non-authoritarian feedback from a friend or a group and be guided towards action in a few minutes. It's rewarding. It's fun. It juices the day. If we have a social reward system that makes us feel really good and happy and look forward to sharing a story with a friend or a group, then we've got an incentive to bring something to the table. It may or may not be a night dream initially. It might be some other kind of story. But we need the kind of social reward system that traditional so dreaming societies offer so that it is encouraged and made joyful and made rewarding to do this stuff and share it. Oops, are you still there, Robert? Can you hear me? I'm still here. Did I just Oh, good. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. All righty. Um, whew. Thank you. And I think another way to to remember dreams and to is to read something dream centric as you go to sleep, as you're as the last thing you read before you go to bed. If you read mysterious realities before you go to sleep, if you read Dreaming the Soul Back Home, if you read any of the my chicken soup for the soul books, Roberts and chicken soup for the soul dreams and premonitions. I think you start, you get a little bit of dream envy. And I think when you have that, like, Oh, why did that person have that life changing dream? That sounds like fun. I wish I had that. That's a good thing. And let that carry you into, into dreaming. And, and that will help. I think it, it starts with an interest and then getting up in the morning and practically just not not doing anything else until you write it down your dream. If you don't do that, then I think it's so many dreams are are lost. We we take for granted that we're going to remember them later. One of the stories in Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and Premonitions is Debbie Specter Weissman, who is the queen of dream snippets. And she was one of the people that you just talked about, Robert, who used to say that she didn't remember dreams. And and then, but I was like, oh, be be kind to the little dream wisp. Be kind to that dream sp- snippet. And she had a dream snippet that completely changed her life, a dream about a cod piece. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So you, I mean, even in in some way, having a short little dream snippet is kind of nice because you can, there's so much you can do with that. If it's really long and detailed, it can get a little overwhelming, but a nice little dream snippet is fun to work with. So don't be nice and be kind to those dream snippets. Um, Okay. So we have, so what people can do to end a dream drought, we've talked about that. And let's see, you know, let's do a little, a little sample of the, of the, of your, of your dream method. Can we do a little, do you want to share one with me? Should I share a quick little baby dream with you? Maybe you should share a quick one with me because uh, I'm not sure that you're going to follow my four steps. You have okay. your own processes, which are right, great. I'm going to do the, but I'm if just we're going to do a very quick the lightning one. dream work, which is a four-step process, maybe you should share first. Yes. Okay. So 
um, a dear friend of mine, Claire Wineland. I've been talking about her obsessively because she passed away and she was a big dreamer. She was 21 years old and um, she passed away of cystic fibrosis and she's been all over the news and her message is so out there. It's beautiful. She lived a very full and beautiful life, but for it's been, it's been rough for me. I've dealt with a lot of people dying um, and I have a very positive frame around death or the illusion of death. But for some reason, Claire passed away and it hit me just like, I mean, it hit me so, so hard. And I spent like two weeks weepy and I had this dream a few days ago and it's very simple. I was throwing her 103rd birthday party and I was putting mm. the guest list together and it was just trying to figure out how we were going to fit all these people into any venue. So that was simply it. I was, it was her one, I've never said the words before 103rd yeah. <laughs> birthday. Yeah. So that kind of stood out. Well, all right. It's, it's a moving, it's very moving in the context that you explained, but if we're going to demonstrate the technique, let's actually do the steps. So what's the title for the dream? 100 Claire's 103rd birthday. Yes. So what are your feelings coming out of the dream? Your first feelings coming out of the dream? Oh, well, in the dream, I was very happy that she was 103. And coming she out was of an it, old lady. Afterwards. Coming out of the dream, yeah. I was I was very sad because it hit okay. me that so she's yeah. not with us. Right. The next question is normally the reality check explaining where this fits in the context of your life, and you've done that already with your introduction. So is there something you want to know about the dream? Do you have a question? Oh, well, yeah. Why 103? Uh, the 103, mm -hmm. I mean, I could see 90, maybe even yeah. 50. Because when somebody with cystic fibrosis in a reality check, okay. they don't live very long. But some people yeah. live until they're 40. But why yeah, 103? 103? Yeah. Well, now we do the if it were my dream. I never tell people what dreams or life means. I just offer if it were my dream. And I can say anything I like because I'm not playing expert. So if it's my dream, it is reassurance of continuing life, right? It's absolutely re yeah. And it's reassurance yeah. that the love and the spirit of this person is going to reach others. I don't have an immediate context for the 103, but my goodness, it's a ripe old age, isn't it? And it makes me, it would also make <laughs> me look at what 103 might add up to 103 years from now or other contexts I might find. The number might turn up in some way. I'm going to keep the number in mind. But the key thing it's, it's, speaks to me about is the longevity of the influence, the spirit of this person and the fact that they have a very good long life on the other side, during which they're probably going to be in helpful and healing and loving contact with people on this side and might even be there to receive and welcome other people coming from this side when the time is right. So I'm filled with joy and despite the sadness of loss and absence in physical life, I'm really cheered and reassured by the assurance that, you know, death, the swing door of death doesn't end life. Life goes on in different forms. And I would want to, as a last step, I'd want to actually, I want to honor the dream in some way, maybe by doing something specific beyond what I've done to honor this person and my connection. Mm. Is there anything you might do that you haven't done already? Well, what just popped in my mind is her aunt, whose name is Bliss, and she's how I know Bliss. Claire. She and I have been talking about putting together um, some stories that, that relate to Claire, calling a book Clarity, because Claire touched a lot of people, and there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool Claire stories, including her dream log where she, there's a whole series mm. of dreams that she called the bridge angel dreams where she in the mm. dream time is helping people cross over people that are, that mm. don't want to go because they don't, they're attached to their loved ones, but they're no longer in their body. And she has to be very convincing to get people to the other side because she knows all too well how to get there and how beautiful it is. So there's a, there's very, very detailed stories that she has about how she gets like her technique for getting people from this realm to the other realm. <laughs> so I, I think I want to be supportive and helping. Maybe there's 103 Claire stories. I'm not sure, but I always yeah. think that the number three, for some reason, uh, when I hear the number three, I think, uh, I think transformation, I think beginning, middle, end. there's some, some kind of shamanic something. I don't know. I always, the number three kind of does a little something to oh, me. Oh, yes. Well, 
three is essential. I mean, I'm a Celt. I mean, three is the Celtic number. You probably know that. So three is what it's all about for me. But it's 103, and I like your idea of 103 stories. And, you know, the last part of the simple dream game that we play, which you call the lightning dreamer, because it's meant to be quick and it's meant to focus energy like lightning, is to come up with a one-liner. And I'm already playing with, with, with uh, improvisations on Joseph Campbell's line, follow your bliss. I mean, my one-liner is <laughs> something like writing my bliss for Claire or with Claire or something along those lines. With clarity, living with and... clarity. And the, the word play, which is yes. very interesting, yes. her name... Bliss and Claire was, was... or clarity are going to be part of my one-liner. Clarity on reaching bliss. With clarity Claire. on it's, reaching it's, it'll bliss. It'll but then the word air, A-I-R, is part of Claire. Yeah. And yeah. air was being yeah. having cystic yeah. fibrosis. Breathing was always difficult yeah. for her. Yeah. And so air well, being inherent in hair... And yes. within her name is... Yes. Well, that's, that's great. So we just demonstrated, you know, in sort of uh, loosey-goosey fashion, a quick four-step method. I want to comment on something that came out of the example that you gave, which is that, I'll say this, I have no theology, but if you become an active dreamer, in the sense that I use the word, you'll have no personal doubt that soul consciousness survives death. You'll have absolutely no doubt of that. You might be poised now to make death your friend instead of your terror. You'll certainly be poised to understand that communication with the deceased is not weird or even supernatural. It's routine. It's natural. It goes on all the time. I've been talking to dead people who are alive somewhere else all my life. And this realization, if it's new to you, is going to shake everything up because, you know, again, dealing with the zombies and the vampires and all those other creatures, if you know that there is life beyond death and you're held accountable in life beyond death, you will actually try to live better. You'll try to live more decently. You'll also try to live more passionately. You might be poised to take more creative risks, risk yourself to love or the new venture, etc., in a way that you may not do if you don't understand that. That is where my new book, Mysterious Realities, begins and ends, actually. It begins with a writer who's having a first-hand encounter with a death lord in a terrifying form, Yama, and it ends with the story of the owl at the very end of the book with the writer being reminded of his own contract with death. I actually think that there's nothing morbid about this. I think that if we wake up, the fact that death is always at our left shoulder and operate in life, making our choices in that clarity of understanding, we are braver and we are better. And your story of Claire, your beautiful moving story of Claire, takes us into that deep realm, which is one of the essential uses and purposes of dreaming. Mm. Thank you so much. Really quick, we have like 30 seconds or so. Cairo, Chiromancer, it, it seems like it has to do with time, right? I mean, there's a well, lot of I made up the word. I made it. It's one of my inventions. I mean, I'm not as, quite as good as Jung as inventing new words, but chiromancy, which embodies the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, the Greek god of sudden moments, special moments, means a chiromancer is someone who's poised to recognize the special moments of synchronicity and act in those moments when time that, is operating differently. It's not about TikTok time. It's about opportunity time, jump time. So that's what I encourage people to do. That's wonderful. Robert Moss, thank you so much for being my guest and such an inspiration. His book is Mysterious Realities, A Dream Traveler's Tales from the Imaginal Realm. His website is Moss Dreams or uh, Robert Moss. MossDreams.com. Join us next week when my guest Heather Ash Amara is with us. She'll be talking about her best-selling book, Warrior Goddess. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard. And sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.